Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Freedom of Species. Freedom of Species is a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. Recent podcasts, audio on demand and live streaming available from the 3CR website. All podcasts are available from the Freedom of Species website and you can subscribe to the program via iTunes. I'm Kate Elliott. Many listeners would be familiar with Mark Pearson as the Executive Director of Animal Liberation in Australia. However, Mark is also a General Committee member of the Animal Justice Party and the Registered Officer for the Animal Justice Party in New South Wales. Earlier this week, I interviewed Mark about the recent New South Wales state elections, including his position as the Animal Justice Party's lead candidate for the Legislative Council. The Animal Justice Party is a fairly recent addition to the Australian political scene, established in 2009 and approved by the Australian Electoral Commission in 2011. It was formed to champion animal protection issues at a political level. The New South Wales state election is only the third time the party has run for office, the two times prior being the federal election in 2013 and the Victorian state election in 2014. For those keen to find out how the Animal Justice Party fared, I started off the interview by asking Mark to give a brief election wrap-up with the understanding that the party was still in contention for the last upper house seat. Well, it is correct at the moment, as we're speaking, the, the votes are still being counted for the upper house or legislative council, and the Animal Justice Party, uh, with me as lead candidate, and Linda Stoner, uh, second candidate, we're neck-to-neck with a Liberal candidate and with the No Land Tax Party, which, has, which is enjoying the position of having the donkey vote, which is probably why it is um, up there with us at the moment. So we're about 70% plus um, of the vote being counted, and that is now they're starting to count the pre-poll votes, the I vote, that is the online vote, um, and also the postal vote. And then if it's all still neck to neck, then they, we have to take into account the preferences and you probably need to be aware that preferences are different in New South Wales as opposed to the federal and Victorian elections. We can only recommend on our How to Vote card, or any party for that matter, as to who uh, only recommend other parties or independents to, for, the, for the voter to put second, third, fourth and fifth or to preference. And we, will on, we only get the preferences if the voter has decided to preference in a, in a, in a way which... They, uh, the, the party that they voted for has recommended. If they don't, then none of the preferences which they put in place flow to 
um, that party. So it's a quite a different system and a complicated preferencing mechanism. But in one way, it's quite good because they're not locked. A, a voter is not locked into the preferencing mechanism which the party has established. You can you have to make that specific decision yourself, even after you put the one in the Animal Justice Party or any other party. So the count continues. Um, and it's a very interesting situation because when the pre-poll voting started two weeks before the election, from 8am on that Monday, um, um, two weeks ago, um, till midday on the Tuesday, the Animal Justice Party was not above the line on the online voting mechanism. And we should have been above the line because we have uh, had 16 candidates and that actually lets the party go up above the line. So 19,000 people voted without enjoying the awareness that the Animal Justice Party was above the line. And a considerable percentage of people, um, they might have pretty much made up their mind about who they're going to vote for, what party they're going to vote for in the lower house or the legislative assembly. But sometimes they just might have a think, a consideration about a party that they might vote for in the upper house. Now, because that wasn't available to them easily, because usually most people scan just above the line and make up their mind and put the one in the square, that, that, um, that opportunity was, uh, was, um, was not available for the Animal Justice Party for 19,000 voters. So if we do not get in, and it's neck to neck, we will probably need to go to the Supreme Court Division of uh, Disputed Returns and lodge a claim that there has been an unfair election and have a judge determine as to what to do. I, we really do not want to do that because, you know, you really don't want to be dragging everybody back to the polls. But if a court determines that something has been, but it has been an unfair election, um, then the court will, will, uh, will find that the election was void and then ha another one has to be called. We hope that doesn't happen. We hope we get in uh, with the votes and the preferences as they, as they sit. Now, we stood five candidates in five lower house seats. Um, we stood Sherry Imler in the seat of Lismore. She's an 84-year-old Indigenous woman, stalwart, strong, wonderful person who uh, attracted a lot of attention and publicity. And she has come in at 1.75% 1. Uh, 1. of the vote, which is really, which is really quite good. You know, you're looking at about one in every 60 people uh, voted for this lady um, to stand um, in the lower house. Now, of course, she didn't get in. Or she won't get in, and most and, and you don't get really get in unless you get up around 20 to 30 percent of the vote, which will be, be it'll happen one day. But one day, but um, at the moment, it's really very much a campaigning mechanism to be standing people in the lower house. And we stood candidate in Lake Macquarie which is near Newcastle, and also Swansea, the seat of Swansea, which is near Newcastle. Those candidates were um, Susan Strain and, um, and Joshua Agland. And then we stood two people in the seats, two seats in the Sydney area, one in Balmain, that was Michelle Nielsen, and one for the seat of Newtown was Michael Walsh. Now, the best, the best percentage there was, was, uh, was uh, in Swansea, with uh, Josh Aglin getting almost three percent, so that's 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 you know one in about thirty-five people voted for somebody for the Animal Justice Party, and I just think it's interesting to look at it that way because there's one in every thirty-five people turned their mind and specifically voted for animals. Now that is a very good measure of what's happening in society. 
Now, these aren't vegetarians, vegans necessarily. They may probably not um, animal rights activists. And the very interesting thing about the Animal Justice Party is that our support comes from a very broad demographic, you know, from the most, um, you know, alternative thinking, green, if you want, um, um, person, right through to some of the most conservative, if not racist people, believe it or not. Um, you have this whole spectrum of people, age um, and background of people, of people who want to vote for animals or that support the Animal Justice Party, which is what's going to get people into Parliament. And this is why we're in the situation now, very early, really, this is only our third election, first one in New South Wales, and here we are neck to neck for uh, one of the seats in the Upper House. So that is a very, very good sign that many, many people are turning their mind to animal issues and they're wanting to have somebody in Parliament to rattle the cage and get changes for animals. And that's a, that's a wonderful... I think that's a wonderful reflection, very heartening, I think, on the Australian people. How have you gauged who is a supporter of the Animal Justice Party? As you say, it sounds like it's very diverse. Yes. Well, of course, we have members. Um, people choose to become a member of a party, um, and they obviously have, you know, gone, gone on, looked, looked at what we're doing, researched it, and thinking, well, you know, this is a political party that I want to be an actual member of. So at the moment in New South Wales, we have almost 2,000 members, and across Australia, we're looking at about almost 4,500 members. Now, the, the interesting thing is, interesting thing is, is that so a lot, quite a few people come to meetings who aren't necessarily members, and quite a, quite a lot of people um, who I think have become a... I suppose what made, made us consider the fact that a political party for animals, is, has, the time has come was when we saw thousands and thousands of people on the streets demonstrating about live export after the Indonesian crisis. And when we saw the outrage and trauma that people experienced when they witnessed all these kangaroos being rounded up, um, herded up, darted and shot in bright light of day in, a, in, a, in an area near Canberra, people who stood together on those days were people um, of all, as I said, all parts of society. So you had, you know, you had the, the really radical animal rights vegan activist standing beside a cattle farmer, standing beside a lawyer, standing beside a teacher, standing beside people who were in the animal welfare movement. And they're all standing together because of outrage. Not about what happens to beautiful horses or, 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 or dogs or cats or, or um, the, um, the animals that are considered to be beautiful and companion, but about cattle sheep. So when you saw this happening, and then what was happening in Canberra, it was decided, well, it's time for a political party to be put in place for animals. And so I think the question is actually difficult to answer, because the support that you see in the queue of people lining up to vote, when, you, when, when you're walking down and talk, you have the opportunity to talk, I can't get away from you. <laughs> I love queues at polling days, because they have to queue and they have to put up with, put up with you. But of course, you, you exercise a lot of respect. And, but interestingly, I would say about eight out of ten people, when I started, when I just started to commence the discussion saying, just wanted to talk to you about a new party on, on the block, a party based on compassion, not competition, not backstabbing and not grandstanding. Compassion for those who can't speak for themselves, 
and who are suffering animals and also the people in in our society that are exploited and are on the bottom of the at the bottom of the barrel now if they've got their iphone on they many many times they'll just pull the plug out and say what did you just say again or if they're you know texting on the mobile they the face turns and looks up at you and says what was that you just said so what was ringing through is a here is a breath of fresh air here is a party which is about wanting to look after those who can't look after themselves and are at the mercy of, in the main, of human beings. This strikes a chord with people. It's, um, you can see in their face, they're going, well, that is something new and that is something good. And it doesn't come from, you don't, so on our, on our core flutes and placards and signage, there isn't a person smiling with, in a suit promising you the world and probably going to give you very little. We have a kangaroo. We have a sow. We have chickens. We have greyhounds and live baiting. We have wildlife. Um, and we have a little, pup at a, a, little, a little pup in a puppy mill looking out through the wire saying, get me out of here. Not people. So it's... it's it's definitely a new kid on the block, a new party on the block, and we're bringing a very, very different message. The other thing we're also not um, doing is we're not a cover. I think other parties, particularly the Greens, I had the view, formed the view that we were just going to be a party, uh, a front for or a window for the Greens or any other party. We made it very clear that we are not. We are a political party for animals. We're new and we're going to get into government and we're going, to, uh, we're going to represent the interests of animals, and we're going to do it in, in a striding, proactive way. We're not going to be hiding behind the, uh, the history of any other political party at all. We'll certainly stand together with any political party or independent when it comes for a good fight for the animals, um, but we are not going to be compromising by being in the shadow of any other political party or independent. 3CR Radio that's independent, progressive and making a difference. And I think what you've highlighted there, Mark, is that people possibly don't recognise that animals are interwoven into all aspects of our society. So people engage with animals in all different ways and so that means you have access to people, a broad range of people. So just looking at your main platforms, which you've mentioned Greyhounds was a big one, then um, the wildlife slaughter, factory farming, puppy farms. So there's, there's a broad range of people that you're accessing that may have a connection with any of those issues. Um, you've mentioned the Greens. I did read in an article that possibly off the back of the support shown towards the AJP, the Animal Justice Party, in the Victorian elections, you were actually approached by the Greens and Labor. Yes, well, in New South Wales, that's correct. Actually, the first um, party that the, the first party that approached us for preferences or to discuss discuss what they could put on the table for animals was the Labor Party, and the Labor Party preferenced us first. Mm. That's an extraordinary <laughs> thing going on there. So, Luke Foley approached us saying, first thing I want to do is to start wildlife habitats." Um, I said, "Well, I, we want you to block the, any ag gag law that's coming through," and they're seriously considering that. They also are looking at um, uh, establishing 
a, uh, a commissioner for animal welfare. I prefer they did it for animal well-being, lifts the bar higher for animals. Um, then fading out, phasing out um, puppy farms faster than what's happening in Victoria. So it's a very surprising and interesting um, element has come to, come come in, come to come into place. But, you know, and this is all quite new for me. I've, I've never been really involved with politics at all, apart from going to vote. Um, and I probably mainly voted Green, unless I knew the Independent and supported them. Um, is that I wasn't aware. Uh, you, you suddenly realise that this is a new campaign. This is a new chapter. It's not an animal rights movement. It's not an animal welfare movement. It's not an animal protection movement. It is a political party, and it therefore enjoys the capacity to bring about changes for animals in a very different way. So, in order for because marginal seats, we getting up to you know, between 3 and 4%, which is probably what they would predict for in some of the marginal seats that we would get, if not more, um, and they're correct, then we could help them bring in their party and take out the Liberal government. So it puts you in a position of serious negotiations for animals because they want you to help them out. Um, now, you know, you've got this issue, well, are they really that interested in animal welfare or well-being? I think that changes as we start to describe what's happening and, and the impact upon animals. But at the end of the day... Uh, you, you, we just want to win a, win situations for animals where we can very uh, very effectively uh, change the situation that they're in, whether it be in an intensive situation or a factory farm situation or a puppy mill or whatever. And then, of course, then the next party uh, were the minor parties, the cyclist party and the no parking meters party, <laughs> and um, and then the greens. Um, approached us as well because they saw how we helped the Greens in Victoria. We really helped the Greens get the seat of Melbourne and the seat of um, of Paran, I think you call it. Yeah, that's right. And um, and helped to help them get some up house seats as well. Um, so we have an interesting relationship with the Greens, and I, you know, I hope it improves. But we did get off. It, 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 we did. It did. There was a difficult situation in the ACT during the federal election where the Greens were extremely angry with us. Um, uh, but I do not, not apologise for what we did uh, because the Greens approached us in the ACT and asked us for preferences. And we said, yes, we'll give you the preferences if you don't authorise the killing of any kangaroos. And because the minister uh, responsible for signing off on such activities is a Greens, Minister, and he did. He signed off on the slaughter of 1,600 kangaroos and joeys. So he said, sorry, you're going to the bottom of the preference list. Um, you'd be second from the bottom if we had a shooters and fishers party in the ACT, but we don't. Or, or in the ACT, that's standing for the um, federal election. Now, that caused a lot of, uh, you know, screaming and shouting and um, grinding of teeth, but um, it put the Animal Justice Party on the map, and that is... When we say something and we say that we don't want you to harm animals and you go ahead and do it, well, it would be unconscionable of us to give such a party our preferences. And if it was the same thing with the Labor Party, Liberal Party or any other party that went ahead and did something like that and were asking for our preferences, we'd say, no, you're going to the bottom. But, you know, things have moved on since then. I think it put us on the map. It made the minor part, well, the Greens, as a now major party, realise that we are we are a force to be reckoned with, and when we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. Um, we have to uh, for the animals, the billions of animals that share we share this land and water with, that we are 
where our, our activities are having extremely deleterious effects upon their well-being. It's the world of politics, isn't it? I mean, it, recently we've seen that it was the Liberals that championed the banning of importation of hunting trophies into Australia. So, Indeed, indeed. So, yes, you just, you, so if you, you work with who you can, if they're going to do the right thing at this point in time, at this place in time, we, we support it. You know, and that's the way you have to work with, for animal issues. And, and, of course, we're having to deal with this uh, Robert Borsak, who is a serious hunter and fisher. And, um, you know, he, there are very proud photographs he has of himself having just shot an elephant. And, of course, he was against the, minister, federal, the federal environment minister's um, attempts to, you know, when he was considering um, putting in place such a ban of bringing back the parts of the bodies of wild animals that are killed often by can hunting for cowards. Um, but if people, don't know what, if people don't know what can hunting is, it's basically they breed all these animals up, wild animals, elks, or, you know, you know, or... Um, Lions. You know, lions, tigers, um, um, you know, some deer, certain types of deer. They breed them up. They actually, it's often the hunters can actually go and pet them or look at them, admire their beauty. And then they go and sit on some sort of um, porch or veranda and they release the animal and they blast, to, blast away to, at it and kill it. Um, you know, it's just some of the most disgusting, sickening, cowardly sorts of behaviour. And here's Robert Borsak, who's head of the Shooters and Fishers Party. He wants to be able to continue to bring, bring back the horns and the heads, skins. It's disgusting. Now, coming back to your point, though, it's very interesting that the Shooters and Fishers Party are opposed to caged animals. So they are opposed to hens in cages for egg production. They're opposed to sows in stalls, etc., so, you know, it's going to be a very interesting, um, you know, six years if one of the Animal Justice Party or if I'm actually, if we do actually win that seat, you know, we may end up getting the Shooters and Fishers Party before we have them turfed out as soon as we can, Parliament. They shouldn't be there. Um, you know, you, to, be having a, to be having a party which is about killing, killing and suffocating animals... Um, you know, in the upper house and part of leading this, the, the state, state of New South Wales is, is really something which is extremely draconian and unwelcome in a civilised society. So, Mark, do you know what position the Shooters and Fishers Party holds as far as the, ag, the proposed ag-gag laws are concerned? So these are laws which will severely restrict monitoring of the livestock agriculture industry. I actually don't know what the Shooters and Fishers view is on the ag-gag laws. Um, it would be quite interesting to, to find out. We might be surprised, actually. Because you know, the ag-gag laws bring up some very interesting issues, and this is why there's a committee that's been put in place to um, seek submissions, and that they've closed now, but then there will be oral, um, oral capacity to speak to those submissions orally. But this is why that's been put up, because it's highly controversial and has an impact on a lot of things. And even if people do have a view about um, um, uh, others, you know, documenting cruelty to animals and then having to wait for the appropriate time for it to be uh, lodged with a with a rep, with a uh, an, in, an, investi- an investigation agency. The other aspect of it is that the the fact that there's also within the legislation that if media 
actually publish or broadcast or use the material, they can also face very, very hefty fines and possible jail, jail sentences. So in, 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 in several ways, the issue of freedom of speech is coming into serious question. The, the ag-gag law my, laws may have aspects of them which are actually unconstitutional. So our, Q, you know, our senior legal teams are saying, well, at the end of the day, maybe it's just going to have to be tested in a very high court of the land as to whether these laws are actually ultra-vires, that is, um, outside the powers of a government to, to put in place because they're in breach of some, uh, some constitutional standings. If I don't win today I won't be here again I've seen it happen to my friends When their running days are done Will it be over for me soon? Can I come home with you? I'm a greyhound on the outside With a big heart on the inside I've run so many times just a number on the lines Just another winning streak Just a gamble at my peak But soon I will be late I'll be out of this sad game I'm a dog like any other When my glory days are over And I'm racing today That was a tune by Maria Danes called Racing to Death from her album Shelter Me, a tune about the cruelty, suffering and ultimately the death of the dogs bred for the greyhound racing industry. The issue was brought to the public's attention recently when it was highlighted in an ABC Four Corners report and that program is still available on the Four Corners website And it is an issue that continues to make news headlines. Most recently, there was a report of over 55 greyhound carcasses found in a mass grave in Queensland near Bundaberg. It's not the first time that greyhound mass graves have been discovered. The Animal Justice Party does have a policy position on greyhound racing, and that is that given the cruelty and the endemic corruption in the industry, that the industry should not be permitted to continue. The industry should be shut down. This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 855 AM, Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Hey Jodie, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Oh, just in the words of the Pointer Sisters, hey? Why? What's happening? The new 3CR t-shirts are coming out. We had a competition, Kate Reid won it, and it's so beautiful. It's got roses and a love heart, and then the caption is, resistance is fertile. Oh, too deadly that, eh? 
So in order to get one, go yeah. to the 3CR website and follow the link to shop. And right. there's $30. $30? Oh, yeah. what a bargain. And 25 for kids. You'll be able to secure one for yourself because they're in hot demand. Yay, get one now. If you haven't been watching Channel 31, you've been missing out. Channel 31 is not your average television station. We're your local Melbourne community TV station. With over 120 new programs weekly, Channel 31 is leading the way with quality, diverse programs every month. We have a mass of Melburnians creating great shows across our amazing city. Switch on to Channel 31. There's something for everyone. You're tuned to Freedom of Species, a weekly program that discusses animal issues. Today on the program, we're listening to an interview with Mark Pearson. Mark is well known as the long-standing executive director of Animal Liberation in Australia. However, today Mark is speaking in his capacity as a general committee member for the Animal Justice Party and as well as the AJP's lead candidate for the Legislative Council in the recent New South Wales state elections. It is well known that the shooters and fishers have um, used preferences very well, at least in Victoria, and I'm, I'm interested how it works in New South Wales as well, whether they've engaged Glenn Drury with his minor party alliance and how that may have affected their results. Well, I, well we probably won't really know that for a while yet, but, it, but from what I can glean from what um, Glenn Drury's been saying, he doesn't seem to have been involved in those micro-party stitch-ups that he, he has been in the past. And I think because the preferencing system is, because of the difference, as I explained, is that if you vote the Outdoor Recreation Party, for example, which is really just a front for the Shooters and Fishers Party, and they give their preference, first preference to the Shooters and Fishers Party, and the next one maybe to Fred Nile or Christian Democrats or something. And yet, but if, if you only vote for the Outdoor Recreation Party, you put a one in that box, none of those preferences go to those parties. You, as a voter, have to put two, three, four, five. Otherwise, the preferences have no power. So it's what what they call an exhausted vote. It goes nowhere but to the one party. So a lot of people don't know that. I mean, and and even when you explained it, that, you know, all I I could say, say, they'd say, well, what are your preferences? And I said, well, we... We have preferences that we recommend, but at the end of the day, it's your choice. If you want to put those those two, three, those numbers two, three, four, five in those parties, so um, then that's where they'll go. But if you don't, and you put numbers somewhere else, then that's where that goes. So, so there's a lot less potency in preference correct. deals. That's correct. So Drury's um, his work when he used to stitch parties up and and you know try and make sure they all got in with high votes. That actually isn't. That actually isn't an automatum, automatic now. It 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 is totally in a, in a funny sort of way. I actually, quite like it because it's actually once voters understand it, it's actually giving them the whole power um, that they're not put by putting. You know, there's a lot of parties, minor parties, reply, re- relied 
on the automatic um, preferencing that would happen happen if you just put a one in the box of the of the main party. But now you you as a voter have to decide yourself. So it's um it's a system which is not. I mean, it makes it a little bit more difficult, I suppose. But it also it it starts to undo uh, what um, what some of the minor parties thought they had sewn up, and in a funny way by deceiving voters. So so if a voter a voter could not be happy with the Shooters and Fishers Party, but they don't know if they vote for the Outdoor Recreation Party or um, Open Up National Parks Party they might probably do not know that they're actually voting for the Shooters and Fishers Party. It's actually a, probably a, a, how would you say, a more, a more um, honest election, election type, mm. type of election. Is that just New South Wales? I'm a, as far I'm a, as yeah. I'm aware, yes. Quite interesting, the history of that. I'll just quickly go to that. We had a terrible election with, where we had a table, they call it the tablecloth for the upper house. I think there were about 98 parties or something. And that was something which the Shooters and Fishers Party stitched up. That that's what they wanted. And they had an Animal Liberation Party back in 1997 election. An Animal Liberation Party, which was not Animal Liberation, because I tried to get the Electoral Commission to, to strike it out. And he said, I can't. You have to go to the Supreme Court. It's a registered party. No one else has registered Animal Liberation Party. It was the Shooters and Fishers Party. So people, <laughs> they got quite a good vote for the Animal Liberation Party, but it actually was the Shooters and Fishers Party. The, and, they um, put the, and they put the preferences to... To the Shooters and Fishers Party. So if you just voted for the Animal Liberation Party, you actually voted for the Shooters and Fishers Party. Now, that's... Misleading. Pure evil. That's be misleading and deceptive conduct. And, you know, we've since changed that, but we didn't have enough time to get to the Supreme Court to change it. Who actually made the change? I think the, the Labor Party, which got back in, one of the first things they did was amend the Electoral Act. Mm, good. Yes, it's good. <laughs> it's hard work as well. You have to have 750 legitimate registered members of the party uh, before the Electoral Commission, one year before the election. So in March last year, we had to get, get approved by the Electoral Commission at 750 members with their names and addresses and the details appearing exactly as they do on the as they do on the electoral roll, it took a lot of work. We got we got them in the Wednesday before the Friday 5 p.m. deadline, but the Palmer United Party didn't get registered, and several other parties couldn't because they just didn't couldn't get their 750 legitimate members. And this is why I was surprised to see so many micro parties running in the New South Wales election. Mm. Mm. I thought there would have been fewer because of that. Well, it's far fewer than the tablecloth day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. Hey, y'all, this is Natalie from Blue King Brown, and you're listening to 3CR. Support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Read the sun. 
Give me direction to who you might meet. Changing times, changing That was Titus with Changing Times. You're on Freedom of Species, Animal Activism on the Airwaves. We'll return now to our interview with Mark Pearson. Mark Pearson is the lead candidate for the Legislative Council for the Animal Justice Party in the recent and still yet undecided New South Wales state election. And I asked him about the International Animal Political Party movement. So there have been animal parties popping up in the United States and in Britain for some, for some time, but not really getting much traction. Probably the first one that really started to get traction was uh, the Dutch Party for Animals. And then they actually got um, Marianne Tima elected into Parliament, um, it would be about six years ago now. And now they have two others have been elected into the, into the Dutch Parliament. There's been somebody in Portugal been elected to the local government um, in France, they're looking at two people being not elected. They've got a very strange system there, but um, not elected into Parliament as such, but elected into onto a like a steering committee or standing committee on issues. But it's actually within the jurisdiction of animal welfare in Parliament. But it's one way of getting. It's it's a mechanism to have people elected into Parliament in France. In Germany, they have. People have been elected into local government areas and it looks like they're getting very close to one being elected into the actual German government. And then I think very significantly, we have just recently had two people, one from Germany, one from Holland, elected into the European Parliament on an animal protection platform. So this is a fast-growing, flowering, wonderful, powerful movement for animals that's very different from animal rights and animal welfare organisations and that's, they must continue. They're extremely important, of course, I mean, I'm in, been in one of them for 23 years. Um, but this is, so this is the landscape, the political landscapes around the world are changing where animals, and it only makes sense that they do, are coming into, coming into parliaments. And we may well see one um, very soon in, for the first time in Australia, in, in, a, par, in, in, a, in a parliament of Australia. Hopefully in a couple of weeks. Yes. And I'll, I'll ask you about that, what would happen if someone did get into Parliament in a minute. But first I want to talk about the political parties representing animals are actually working together as well. And so you have been to some conferences where you get together and you share knowledge. Could you talk about those conferences yeah, sure. and what, what you actually discuss? Well, there were two symposiums um, and one of them included a, a two-day workshop. So... One was in Turkey in 2000, in Istanbul in, in December of 2013. And this, in last November, there was another one in Belgrade in Serbia. Now, I think that it's interesting to know why they are in those places. It's because the Dutch Party for Animals, now they have three people in Parliament, they also have a lot of money that they have allocated to research and 
uh, for, um, and it's the same case in Australia, will be the case in Australia. So in research and also promotion of all of the issues that the, issues that the party stands for. So what they do is they look at a country which is where, where the animal, animal issues is starting to emerge and maybe political party is starting to get, some, get a foothold. So by having a conference or a symposium in Belgrade, in, in Istanbul, you attract a lot of attention of not just, um, the, not just the, politic, the political situation in those countries, the government of the day, um, but also, um, also you attract attention of the media. And so, like, for example, in, in Istanbul, the media were there every day recording every presentation. It was up on the news. You know, it's extraordinary. And the same thing happened in Belgrade. So it helps those countries get more of a foothold and get become and get more more traction to to help the political movement for animals uh, to flourish. So you know it's really quite interesting, and and this is the reason it's done. So at these and at these um, symposiums or wor- uh, workshops, we actually yeah everybody comes with their knowledge. Oh, sorry, sorry to... Molly, it's come right. here. Come here. Animals are welcome in our broadcast. This is little Molly. She's just made an entrance <laughs> in her very, very high-pitched, usual way, and, yep. and without any, without any warning, and successfully got our attention. Perfect. Of course, she's here right beside me now, saying, <laughs> I, bet "I should join in on this. Isn't this about me?" <laughs> <laughs> and it is. So yes, yeah, so so yes, we come together and we can learn a lot from those very experienced parties, like the Dutch Animal uh, Dutch Party for Animals in Germany and France, where they've been working for a long time, and of course, they're actually learning quite a bit from us as well. Now, I think one of the interesting things that has happened at the recent one was I gave a presentation on the commercial killing of kangaroos in Australia because the meat of those kangaroos goes to, used to go to Russia, but now that's banned. But it goes to Sweden, Holland, Germany, Belgium, a little bit goes to France, and, they, and the industry here makes a reasonable amount of money out of these uh, kangaroo meat going to those countries. So what has happened is that we have put together a task force, if you want, it's a task force, with these countries who are going to lobby to stop the sale, to ban the sale of kangaroo meat or the imports of kangaroo meat into their countries. Now, when I was meeting with Andrea Gavanelli, who was responsible for animal welfare and human health for the EU in Belgium, um, he said to me, look, the way we, we stopped the import of baby harp seal products um, but, so the EU has banned the import of baby harp seal products. Now we're saying that the issues are the same. These, or in fact, worse for joeys, etc. That these animals are killed in an extremely cruel way, uh, just as baby harp seals are in northern, in Norway and Canada. So, so they eventually banned the imports. Now he said to me, if you get two or three member European countries to ban it, which is exactly what happened with baby harp seal products, he said then the EU will ban kangaroo meat. If the EU bans kangaroo meat, Coles and Woolworths and the retailers in Australia will also stop the sale because if the EU ban it for all the reasons of welfare and hygiene, the Woolworths and Coles have told us that we will have to stop selling it and the industry will collapse. That means millions of kangaroos will live and joeys. So, so it's very interesting. So not only do you work within, within the state or the country on issues and by talking to other members of parliament, but here we are, a, a, uh, a campaign, a program that is, very, that is working right as we speak to bring down the commercial killing industry of kangaroos. 
Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mark. I would like to finish with one question. That is, in two weeks or less, if there is an animal justice person in the upper house, so in parliament, what influence would that have? I think the influence would be extraordinary. I think, um, first of all, politicians will realise that now there's somebody in here who's going to be in at my door, um, coming to all my meetings, come, bumping into me on the corridor and talking to me in the parliament and asking very specific questions for animals, how to protect animals. There's going to be somebody who's going to look at every scrap of legislation that has been accepted in parliament and to consider bills to amend them that have had to do with animals. So, for example, it's possible to bring in a bill in New South Wales where a person commits... Uh, com it is an offence for a person to sell an animal directly or indirectly through any other agent or sale yard to the live export industry. So these are things... And, and that, it will be, that it will be an offence to have uh, dogs that you use to breed for for puppies in a commercial manner um, unless you have a license which is very specific and that license will not allow the typical puppy breeder. In fact, we'll try and rule it out. And that prosecutions for animal cruelty, a percentage, will, if it relates to a companion animal, a percentage will be put into a kitty to help establish networks to rehome animals that are on death row in pounds. All these are possible and many, many other things, and looking at intensive farming, especially um, where, you know, maybe the Animal Justice Party will say, well, to, to purposely genetically select to breed an animal to grow so fast, such as a chicken, meat chicken, to be at the age of slaughter by six weeks. Here's a stack of evidence from veterinary, veterinary science which says that these animals are in acute or chronic pain and are cripples for three-quarters of the time of that life. Um, um, a bill will go forth saying it will be an offence to breed up an animal which becomes, which will develop physical ailments and physical conditions which render it in pain or distress. And that will shake up the broiler meat industry. So there you go, you have a taste of what could be done um, and what will be done. And as you mentioned before, with international parties that focus on animal issues, there's also funding that comes along Indeed. with the position in Parliament. How important is that? It's extremely important to have this funding to be able to establish research, so have people researching all those things I've just talked about, actually. So you have a team of people researching ways in which it could be seen that acts of, there are acts of parliament that are ultra-virus or that are not acting in the way, that are not um, being administered in a way which is protecting animals. So if you have a Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act, for example, no aspect of that act or code of practice or regulation should allow any activity which does not prevent cruelty to animals in, or, in fact, causes it. So if we have these situations... So, so I suppose what I'm saying is we can research all these areas so that we can fast-track um, animal well-being in the state of New South Wales, and it won't be very long before we get people into the parliaments of all the other states and territories as well. Thank you so much. You've been very generous with That's your time okay, today, Mark. And here. we look forward to seeing yeah. what happens <laughs> in the right. upper house. I hope we don't have to go to the Supreme Court because if we do, the, the word is, it's really quite a, a strange situation. It's because of this controversy over us not receiving, over us not being above the line 
for, that, for those 36 hours. That controversy has caused enormous publicity. The publicity has now made many, many, many more people aware of the Animal Justice Party who weren't aware before. And the talk is, oh, well, I think they deserve to have a go. I think I'll vote for them in Parliament if there's another election. So it could be quite interesting. And I think the Electoral Commissioner knows that we probably will be going to the Supreme Court if the Animal Justice Party doesn't get in. That was an interview with Mark Pearson, AJP's lead candidate for the Legislative Council in the recent and, yes, still undecided New South Wales state elections. Still a chance for an upper house seat, so we'll have to wait and see. For more information about the Animal Justice Party, you can visit their website at animaljusticeparty.org. We now have time for some community announcements. The first one up is from the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. You might know them as Peter, and we do have Peter in Australia. They have some actions coming up concerned with the use of Angora by fashion labels. This is despite the gross cruelty involved for um, Angora rabbits in the production of the Angora, they call it wool. So Just Jeans, among other retailers owned by the Just Group, so this includes JJ's, Dotty, Portman's, have refused to join leading Australian retailers in banning Angora wool from their lines, despite being made aware that rabbits used for Angora wool have their fur ripped out by the fistful while they scream in pain. These retailers have refused to stop supporting this cruelty and this is all in the name of fashion. So on the 15th of April, outside the Just Jeans store on Burke Street, Peter will hold a protest featuring a tortured and bound rabbit in inverted commas. So I'm assuming that's a mock-up rabbit and they would love people to join them to show their support. They'll also be holding a leafletting event outside the Just Group's headquarters on the 14th of April. A Peter Asia investigator visited the Angora farms in China, which supplies more than 90% of the world's Angora. And in this facility, there's no penalties for any animal abuse to the rabbits on the farms. The investigator documented rabbits who are highly sensitive and social animals lying in shock and isolated inside tiny, filthy wire bottom cages after having their fur torn out. This terrifying and painful ordeal is repeated every three months for two to five years until the rabbits are no longer wanted for their fur. The rabbit's throats are then cut and they are replaced by new rabbits who will experience the same fate. So just again, if you would like to attend the events in Melbourne, there is the leaflet against the Just Group's use of Angora. That's on Tuesday the 14th of April, 4.30 to 6.30pm and that is at the Just Group's headquarters in Church Street in Melbourne. The second event is protest against the Just Group's use of Angora on Wednesday the 15th of April, 12pm to 1pm, so noon to 1pm, outside the Just Jeans store in Burke Street, Melbourne. If you don't live in Melbourne and so you can't make it to these protests, you can still be involved with Peter's third event and that's by emailing the Just Group. You can use your own words or you can visit the Peter website for a Peter template form 
the website is www.peta.org.au. If you do want to get along to the protests, it'd be great if you could contact the campaign coordinator, Claire Fryer. That's Claire with a capital C, L-A-I-R-E, capital F, at peter.org.au, all lowercase, the last bit of that. Or or you could just visit um, Facebook. The events are posted on Facebook. Also, we have the Progress 2015 conference. Progress 2015 is your chance to hear from Australian and world-leading experts on the latest approaches to campaigning and behavioural change. Attend panels and lectures on big issues facing Australia and brush up on your skills at short workshops. Key speakers include Peter Singer, Naomi Klein and Julian Burnside. So the Progress 2015 conference is on Thursday the 7th to Saturday the 9th of May at Melbourne Town Hall. So that's the corner of Collins and Swanson Street in Melbourne. For more details, do visit their website. There's a lot, there's many more speakers that are going to be presenting at this conference. Um, Very impressive speakers. Their website is Progress. 2015.org.au and you can buy your ticket at the website as well. Edgar's Mission is an animal sanctuary in rural Victoria and they have a volunteer information session coming up specifically for people who are interested in representing Edgar's Mission on outreach days. The session will be held on April the 12th at Edgar's Mission Farm Sanctuary and it will discuss the ins and outs of representing Edgar's mission at public events and how to successfully engage the public and spread the word. You can register uh, at the Edgar Mission website, www.edgarsmission.org.au. That's Edgar's with a S. And that is all we have time for today. I'd like to thank Mark Pearson for joining us on the program today. Coming up next week, Em will be in the studio with Andy Medic, who is heading up the animal justice campaign against the use of the poison 1080 to manage so-called pest species. Although banned in many places around the world, 1080 is still the poison of choice in Australia and New Zealand. If you'd like to contact us, you can at info at freedomofspecies.org. We've got Twitter, Facebook and website. You can get podcasts from our website. Have a great week. I'll leave you now with a tune, Birds and Ships by Billy Bragg, Wilco and Natalie Merchant. Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.